Hey, if you like me, love the Rust programming language, or you're just curious about how powerful this language actually is, let me tell you about RustConf on September 14. It's 100% online. There will be talks about language internals, the Rust compiler, programming optimization strategies, and to make it even more relevant to you, there will be talks about computer vision and other core machine learning algorithms in Rust. Register now on rustconf.com. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of my company, Amethix Technologies. And this episode is indeed brought to you by Amethix Technologies. Amethix is a technology company that builds analytics solutions across different sectors. We all know that data projects easily run out of budget. With Amethix, you keep your project costs always under control. Amethix operates in sectors like energy, fintech, insurtech, healthcare and pharmaceuticals. So check that out at amethix.com. That's A-M-E-T-H-I-X.com. So today I would like to speak about how to offload intensive computations or data intensive computations and make it make them faster. So there have been many attempts in the in the research and in the world in the field of computer science in general uh, about how to um, migrate certain type of operations or computations outside of the current client or the client that is actually uh, executing that command, like the local machine. And uh, the benefits of uh, offloading computation or intensive IO intensive operations to other servers can have extremely interesting benefits due to the fact that uh, current operations are today are more and more data intensive and uh, the volumes of the data that are usually transferred or should be transferred would be transferred in case these operations would be performed remotely uh, sometimes can even be prohibitive and so the typical solution to this problem is to uh, move the computation where the data is. So instead of transferring a gigabyte and gigabyte of data, we essentially bring the compute where the data is to the closest machine possible to this gigabyte of data. And we perform that computation locally with respect to the data. And then we return eventually the results. Easier said than done <laughs> because the complexity that you might have in a system that does exactly this can be extremely high. And of course, depending on, you know, it depends on the, the type of the infrastructure, it depends on the type of operations. Not all operations can be offloaded that easily. And so there is a work um, from Stanford University that uh, is called POSH. It's um, a data aware shell that I believe to be extremely interesting, uh, though it doesn't solve 100% of the problems, but that's quite normal because the problem is very diverse, can be very diverse, um, depending, as I said, on the type of infrastructure, the complexity of the infrastructure, uh, the complexity of how these data are connected, and of course, the operation that you would like to offload. So in a nutshell, uh, POSH is um, a tool that allows to reduce data movement by moving the code to the data and improve performance. And what code in particular? Well, it's uh, shell commands. 
And that's why it's called a data aware shell, because it's a shell that indeed is aware of the data on top of which uh, it's going to perform certain operations, certain shell commands. And of course, it decides what to do with um, each step of the pipeline or each piece of the pipeline if that command is also relatively complex. The in performance benchmarks say that there are some applications, and I'm going to give some additional details in the course of this episode. Depending on the application, Posh can reach from you know 1.6x to 15x, so 15 times faster than uh, a traditional NFS uh, solution. NFS stands for Network File System. And so there are some use cases um, that are not so, actually, they're very common use cases. For example, running git status that can be some git status on a on a repository that is stored remotely with respect to the your laptop or your current your local machine and the speed up in those cases is incredible so it would be nice to uh, give you some additional details of uh, this uh, very interesting work posh stands for process offload shell posh <laughs> and that's a system that indeed offloads portions of unmodified shell commands to proxy servers closer to the data. I'm giving the definition how the researchers um, define their work, their, uh, their baby <laughs> posh. And essentially a proxy server is a machine that is, has been allocated right next to the data or as close as possible to the data. Another important keyword is unmodified shell commands. The last thing that we want to do when we want to offload computation is, of course, to rewrite our program or our command with, you know, infrastructure in mind and with decentralization in mind. Um, that's the last thing that we want to do because we want to maintain exactly, you know, the same way we deploy computation and we would like automated tools that do the dirty job for us, right? And that's exactly what Posh intends to do, and we'll see how they achieve this uh, particular challenge. Now, there are three things that essentially Posh wants to do. The first is to understand the semantics of shell commands um, before offloading them. So, of course, you cannot offload something if you don't understand the semantic of what that something is actually doing. Another task is, of course, distributing the pipeline across different machines that we call proxy servers. And finally, Posh wants to automatically parallelize these pipelines or the pipelines that access many files or different data uh, while maintaining a sequential execution order, because that otherwise would change the semantic of the operation and would give us a wrong result. And so there are three essential components of what actually Posh is. There is a shell annotation interface, there is a parser and a scheduler, and finally there is an execution engine. So these three components altogether allow Posh to execute this, uh, you know, to solve the challenges that I just explained um, and therefore uh, offload computation uh, in the most optimal way. So what do these components do? Well, the annotation interface is essentially the component that allows to that allows Posh to understand what is the shell command actually doing. And so these annotations are usually providing information related to the inputs or the output of the particular command. So for example, uh, one can say that, you know, uh, one can say that uh, 
the cat command, uh, the concatenation command, essentially takes uh, a list of inputs uh, and uh, and outputs the uh, the content of the input, or a grep or an awk command. You know, you can describe how these commands, what these commands do, depending on what type of input these commands have, what type of out outputs these command uh, emit, and so on. Now, these annotations are written once per command, and they're usually provided by you know, a human being, an engineer, or a developer, right? But the nice idea of the authors of Posh is that eventually these annotations can be shared for, especially for popular programs, so a user doesn't have to write these things over and over again. The second component is the parser. Well, in fact, it's parser and scheduler. So what the parser does is something that is very well known to computer scientists, which is converting the shell program or the pipeline as the you know the sequence of commands into a DAG or a directed acyclic graph. Now the conversion to a, a DAG is very important because it describes the steps of the computation as a graph. And uh, and then we can execute that graph somewhere else, right? This approach is a very typical in computer science. It's the same approach that is used, for example, by software like Dask or TensorFlow or even PyTorch, there is a, a you know, your, your Python code or your neural network or your set of operations is essentially converted into a DAG that is this acyclic graph um, that is also called computational graph and on which you can or well, you have, you can have an optimizer that eventually optimizes these operations. Um, so you optimize the DAG and finally you execute the optimized version of the DAG. So that's why it's a kind of an intermediate representation of what you are trying to do, uh, you know, from the, in this case, the, the shell commands or the set of shell commands um, and what you want the a machine to do uh, instead, right? The third and last component is of course the execution engine. And this is also something that is very common in computer science for this type of problems because the execution engine is you know one or more proxy servers and so what we need to do there is take the graph and let's say dispatch the, the graph to the many proxy servers that might be available um, and we essentially are kind of offloading parts of the graphs or subgraphs to particular proxy servers that are particularly close to the data that is going to, let's say, touch or affect that particular uh, subgraph, right? So why do we need shell annotations, or what we are actually doing in the first step? Well, in order to schedule and execute shell pipelines uh, such that uh, you want to minimize data movements, Posh uh, must understand the semantics of these pipelines. All right, so that's very important. So that's why these commands must be annotated. Additional information has to be provided to Posh so that Posh can understand, for example, if a particular input is sitting next to which a proxy server so that that particular computation will be offloaded to that proxy server and not another, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is that Posh wants to understand if any commands in the pipeline filter their input, because if there is input filtering, um, a particular behavior should be performed instead. Uh, also, Posh has to understand if any commands can be split in a data parallel way into multiple processes, for example, because they do not depend on each other, and so we can execute them in parallel. Or maybe two proxy servers can essentially run them 
concurrently. By annotating the shell pipeline, all this is possible and Posh can essentially automate this kind of reasoning. So you understand how important these annotations are um, because Posh essentially depends on correctly annotating um, for uh, optimal execution. If the annotations, of course, are incorrect, um, you know, in some, uh, in some way, uh, Posh cannot guarantee about the correctness or the performance uh, of the resulting uh, execution. And so it might have essentially results that are wrong or uh, computations that are not really optimized. In some particular exotic cases, it could also happen that the computation is even slower than it would be uh, by just running uh, in traditional NFS. Hey, it might be beach weather outside, but for retailers, the holiday season has already begun. Did you know that 2021 holiday e-commerce sales are expected to exceed 2020 benchmarks? Are you prepared to capture every customer revenue opportunity? With Quantum Metric, you can be. Their unique approach to the digital customer experience helps today's top retailers and e-commerce brands quickly identify and prioritize the big and small revenue opportunities that keep customers engaged and coming back. Stay off the naughty list this holiday season by reducing customer friction, increasing conversions, and personalizing the shopping experience. Want a sneak peek? Visit their website at quantummetric.com slash podoffer and see if you qualify to receive their 12 days of insight offer with code DATASCIENCE. This offer gives you 12-day access to the platform coupled with a bespoke insight report that will help you identify where customers are struggling or engaging in your digital product. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode at datascienceatom.com. Another component that is part of the, uh, of the Posh architecture is the scheduler. And there is a very interesting uh, Posh scheduling algorithm that the authors have um, implemented. Of course, they also provide a pseudocode in the, uh, in the research paper. It's very interesting to read. Another very interesting fact is that the implementation is in Rust. So if you are uh, familiar with Rust or you just want to get closer to this uh, beautiful language, I think that looking at the Posh um, uh, code base would be extremely useful because uh, code is also very well written. Back to the Posh scheduling algorithm, uh, this is something that is extremely important uh, as a component. It's essentially where the core of the, of the optimization happens. And so Posh must pay attention to essentially two problems here. That is constraints on where uh, certain proxy servers can execute. And of course, the number of bytes that are transferred across the edges in the DAG. And across the edges in the DAG, it means that uh, things are moving from one server to another. And so you want to minimize that, right? You want to minimize data movement, which means that you want to minimize transfers from one node to the other. If a particular node is, for example, representing a particular proxy server. Of course, in one node, you can also have multiple commands. Um, so because you know the scheduling algorithm essentially decided that it was better to group certain operations into one uh, local server and uh, you know offload the rest of the computation somewhere else so that's absolutely possible 
and the, the component that is in charge of scheduling um, this um, is indeed the posh scheduling algorithm. Now, there are some applications that uh, the authors have performed in order to um, assess uh, and measure the performance of, uh, of this new tool. And uh, some applications are extremely uh, common. Uh, for example, a thumbnail generator. Imagine you have a bunch of images somewhere um, in a remote server or scattered among different remote servers and you want to generate thumbnails um, you know, from the local machine. Right. So what you would do, well, what Posh would do is essentially move that computation to uh, the proxy servers that are close to the images they are um, they are processing. Right. And so this, of course, is a typical case, uh, you know, for Posh, for a tool like Posh. It's where, you know, Posh performs at its best. Another use case is um, ray tracing log analysis. This is an application that analyzes logs of uh, you know, this massively distributed ray tracing system. Ray tracing is computer graphics stuff. And that's also as a very interesting speed up. Uh, port scan analysis, distributed log analysis. That is something that engineers do on a daily basis. And I would say 100% of the time, these logs are sitting somewhere remote, you know, in a remote server. And uh, usually the volume of these logs can be relatively large. And the last thing, the last use case they performed is something extremely common, which is Git workflow. Uh, and so they tried some commands of the, for example, Git status, Git commit on very large uh, repositories like the Chromium repository. And that's where the mo most of the speed up is, in fact, uh, in common operations like Git status or Git commit. Of course, this happens when the entire repo is remote uh, and it's not on the local machine, <laughs> clearly. If, it's, if it was on the local machine, of course, that would not be a fair comparison. And so, as I said, depending on the uh, application or the use case, Posh can perform from 1.5 to 15 times faster than NFS. Now, one particular aspect of the paper, uh, it's something that uh, I really have to mention, is about the limitations of this tool. And I really appreciate, I really like that section a lot because it makes me think about intellectual honesty. The authors know that this tool is not a bulletproof uh, for any use case. There are limitations, of course, like any new tool. But of course, it's very interesting to know that authors have been thinking about these limitations and probably, uh, hopefully, will uh, uh, will expand their work in a, a future version. Um, one thing is about the posh scheduling algorithm essentially handles pipelines that access data on different mounts uh, in a MapReduce style pattern. Now, of course, such an algorithm cannot handle comments which access data on different mounts that cannot be split, right? Uh, now, this can be quite common in production or in real life. And though that's worth mentioning saying, you know, it's worth mentioning that Posh is indeed uh, as a limitation towards that particular case. Another important one, especially for, for um, uh, production environments, is that Posh allows users to offload parts of shell comments to proxy servers that can be uh, directly accessing the storage layer. Right. And so bypassing any security mechanism that might be in place, right, because they access directly. So in that case, Posh uh, doesn't address the security implication of the system. If the proxy server is 
hacked or is buggy uh, and it will access directly the, the storage layer of your infrastructure, well, that can be a problem and I would say a big one. <laughs> so, of course, Posh doesn't deal with that as, as we speak. Another limitation is about resource management. So it could happen that some proxy servers are overloaded with respect to others. So there is no real, uh, let's say, load balancer to understand where computation is has been migrated. And so, you know, maybe you would like to optimize towards another constraint that is, hey, these proxy servers are busy maybe I can use that other one and still keep an eye on the constraint on how close that new uh, proxy server is with respect to the data. So I can still optimize there. Again, Posh doesn't do that yet. And so it doesn't have policies for load balancing or multi-tenancy. The last thing is uh, about failure recovery. Posh does not recover from server-side failures. And this is also another one that you know you should consider when you move to production environments, um, there are no mechanisms to migrate or restart jobs if the single command uh, within a pipeline fails. And that also can be a very nasty problem uh, that you really don't want to deal with, especially in production environment. With this said, of course, we all know that new tools have limitations. That's fine. I think that the idea of Posh is extremely interesting. You know, it's version one. Um, it's definitely something that needs some additional work, uh, but it's, I believe, to be a very good idea and uh, deserve the attention of the data scientists and the data engineers out there who want to understand how, for example, certain common operations, even from the shell, of course, can be offloaded in order to experience massive improvements, uh, especially on large volumes of data. That's it for today. I definitely invite you on the uh, official Discord channel. You will find the link on the official website, datascienceathome.com. I'll see you there. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.